0: Oh Lord, send your Spirit to move in our world and to stir the water of our souls so that we will desire a word of instruction that awakens us to the joy of your coming reign. Amen. Amen. <coughs> a reading from the 8th chapter of Romans comes from that common English Bible that uh, we've often used. It's the more modern language and supposedly one of the better current translations. Listen for the word from God. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you are going to die. But if you put to death the actions of the body with the spirit, you will live. All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to be led to lead you back into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. And then from the fifth chapter of Acts the story of the day of Pentecost, the first one that we celebrate today. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled into our house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages. We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, We are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with eleven, raised his voice and answered them, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Today, the day of Pentecost, is special in the life of the church because we do celebrate Pentecost. We just heard what happened on that remarkable day in our reading from the second chapter of Acts. The Holy Spirit came upon the people of God with a rush of wind and in tongues of flame. People spoke languages they had not known. And Peter began to preach. But let's back up some, you know how some of those TV shows and movies and books will show you something exciting and dramatic, but then they change the scene where the title says something like two weeks earlier. (laughs) In 10th grade English, they had a Latin name for that, they called it in medias res, which just means in the middle of things. But let's not call it two weeks earlier. Just before Pentecost, the disciples were on a mountaintop gazing into the sky as Jesus ascended into the clouds. Do you remember the last words Jesus said to the disciples in that first chapter of Acts, the eighth verse? We read that he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth don't you wonder what they were expecting what would it mean for Holy Spirit to come upon them on this day of Pentecost let us consider the Holy Spirit the powerful presence Jesus told the disciples to expect to come upon them why is the Holy Spirit important In our passage from Romans, Paul told us that the the reality of Christ is accessible only by faith and we have access to that faith only through the Holy Spirit. To be in Christ is the same as to be in the Spirit. Well, when modern Christians, especially modern Presbyterians, talk about the Holy Spirit, we run into several problems. One problem is that we have neglected the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan has written a book about this called Forgotten God, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. He talks about how the Holy Spirit is comforter, counselor, spirit of God, friend, advocate, helper, intercessor, strengthener. But if you think about it, you've heard people curse in the name of God or or of Jesus' name I don't think I've ever heard anybody cuss in the name of the Holy Spirit. Have you? One of the biggest problems is language. In that hymn, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, one verse starts, What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? To talk about the Holy Spirit for centuries, people have borrowed language. And for that matter, the other week we talked about what's your picture of God and remember I told, said this uh, essayist had written that because God is different from anything or anyone in this world, in any of our direct experience, all of our language for God has to be metaphorical. Has, it'd be like, me de- like us describing a color we've never seen. How could you do that? Well, there's not a word for Holy Spirit in the Hebrew of the Old Testament or the Greek of the New Testament. The Hebrew Old Testament uses the word ruah, meaning wind. By the way, if you're riding down the road and you see a North Carolina Carolina license plate that has that word ruah on it, you're behind my wife's former boss, (laughs) has that on his tag. And the Greek New Testament uses the word pneuma, starting with a P, meaning breath. In fact, our English word spirit comes from the Latin spiritus, meaning, which also means breath. And we get all kinds of words from that, like inspired, inspiration. As Christians who believe in the triune God, we use the metaphors of Father and Son to describe and begin to grasp the other aspects of God, of the Trinity. The metaphors we use to describe the Holy Spirit help us have some understanding of that aspect of God too. If you think about wind as an invisible, unpredictable, uncontrollable force, which bears down on everything in its path, and breath, in a way, is a miniature wind, essential to life. In fact, there's a bestseller book now called When Breath Becomes Air. The, uh, from the very first chapter of Genesis, we read of the breath of life. Another problem modern Christians have with talking about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a concept that's associated sometimes with views and practices some of us aren't so comfortable with, like snake handling, for example, or speaking in tongues, or faith healing. But because we also refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost, some people even get a spooky feeling about that aspect of God. There's a seminary professor and one of my Facebook friends I've quoted frequently, Rolf Jacobson, who wrote that, the spirit is so active and vital; people either forget it's there, or unhealthily fix on it, fixate on it. That same author writes that the spirit is simply the active presence of God here and now and eternity. So what difference does the Holy Spirit make? I mentioned that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost. It's also sometimes called the birthday of the church. But the activity of the Holy Spirit is not just something that happened way back then in Bible days. The Holy Spirit acted then and the Holy Spirit acts now. The Holy Spirit interrupts plans, surprises us, shakes things up comes upon us today. Those that were there when uh, I had to go before Presbytery and then decide whether or not I could come here, know that in introducing myself, I said that that, uh, we'd gone around to a lot of different churches and supplying the pulpit in one place had asked us to, actually it was Doug to start with, and others had asked us to consider coming here, and I said, we told them no, and they kept asking, and they wouldn't take the word no for an answer, and the Holy Spirit is an irresistible force, and it's true. And you know that once a month, I'm part of a, what's often a day-long meeting with a bunch of preachers and elders in our presbytery, that preparation for ministry committee. We charged with shepherding applicants, like Jordan, who was with us last week. Inquirers and candidates uh, toward that ordained ministry. Each time one of those folks comes before the committee, usually the moderator has us introduce ourselves, and then he turns to the person we're about to interview, and tells them that after we open with a prayer, he wants them to talk about how how God has led them to this place in their life, how they perceive the. The spirit being active in their life, and their answers are stunning. Each one has an individual journey, their own sense of call. I mentioned before that almost all of them say, "Well, it wasn't like the Damascus Road." I've never met anybody that said, "Oh, it was just like the Damascus Road." No, everybody has a their own experience. Each of them has a an individual journey and sense of call that. Uh, Oftentimes that involves attempts to deny, ignore, or evade their sense of calm. Last Sunday afternoon we were in, we went over to Durham, I was part of an ordination committee for one of these folks, and the minister there said to her, he, he did the charge to her, he said, started at the back of the church, he said, this on this very spot, she came in the door one day and she said, I don't know what I'm doing here, I am not a Presbyterian, and then, Last week she was ordained as a Presbyterian minister. And will go to work in two weeks in, in Virginia. Each one of them yielded to the will of Almighty God, to the leading of the Spirit. Not only can I tell you that the future ministers of the Presbytery are awesome, I can also tell you that every one of us needs to answer that same question. Not in what can be an intimidating committee room, but even in an even scarier place. In peace and quiet and in the silence of our own hearts. How has God brought you to this point in your journey? How has the Holy Spirit been active in your life? Where is God leading you to witness to the good news of the gospel of the risen Christ? When we have fear, the Holy Spirit brings hope. When we feel powerless, the Holy Spirit brings power. When we feel weak, the Holy Spirit brings strength. When we feel weak, we're just alone. In our aching, the Holy Spirit groans with us. We know this because the Bible tells us in the 8th chapter of Romans, we read, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So today we celebrate Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the people of God in a dramatic way. The result of that manifestation of power was awe. The 43rd verse of that chapter tells us in Acts that All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. If we pay attention, if we are open to the Holy Spirit, awesome things happen by the movement of God's Spirit even now. So what do we Presbyterians believe about the Holy Spirit? That brief statement of faith that we used part of last week says, We trust in God the Holy Spirit everywhere, the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, the church. That same Spirit who inspired the prophets and the apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through scripture engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the spirit gives us courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, to unmask idolatries in church and culture to hear the voices of peoples long silenced, and to work with others for justice, freedom, and peace. In gratitude to God, empowered by the Spirit, we strive to serve Christ in our daily task and to live holy and joyful lives even as we watch for God's new heaven and new earth praying. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Go out from this place to share the good news with a world that really needs good news. Jesus Christ has come to help us and to set us free. May God the Creator, Christ the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our advocate. guard you're going out and you're coming in. And be your strength and help in every time of need. Amen.